right, welcome to episode six of You Are What You Read. I'm Max. I'm Luke. And uh, we are back with Become What You Are by Alan Watts, reading chapter six, The Lightness of Touch. Um, We have obviously moved locations. We are in my humble abode, my little tiny house, and... uh, want to thank you guys for all the all the streams on the last podcasts uh don't forget to like comment subscribe it costs you nothing just help us out change that algorithm up and uh you got anything luke we've got some some guests for those listening without video there's multiple birds oh yeah we do have <laughs> we have multiple birds even on video you can't see it I, there's the three parrots that are in here, and I'll show them at the end. So you will be hearing a lot of background noise. And there's a fourth parrot outside and a cat running around. So have fun. Yeah, there will be some noises. But it sets the mood. It's nice. Okay. Lightness of touch. Chesterton once said that because they take themselves lightly, angels can fly. One sees so many faces dulled by a seriousness, which, if it were born of grief, would be understandable. But the kind of seriousness which drags man down to the earth and kills the life of the spirit is not the child of sorrow, but a sort of play-acting in which the player is deceived into identifying himself with his Sinbad is something else, dude. (laughs) Sinbad's on a sick one, guys. (laughs) There's a seriousness. Yeah. Okay, but the kind of seriousness which drags man down to the earth and kills the life of the spirit is not the child of sorrow, but of a sort of play acting in which the player is deceived into identifying himself with his part. There is a seriousness in the play of children, But even this is different, for the child is aware that it is only playing, and its seriousness is an indirect form of fun. But this seriousness becomes a vice in the adult, because he makes a religion of the game. So identifying himself with his part or position in life, that he fears to lose it. This is especially so when the unenlightened man attains to any degree of responsibility, He develops a heaviness of touch, a lack of abandon, a stiffness which indicates that he is using his dignity as stilts to keep his head above adversity. His trouble is that instead of playing his part, his part plays him and makes him the laughingstock of all who see through his guise. The message of the Eastern wisdom is that the forms of life are Maya, and therefore profoundly lacking in seriousness from the viewpoint of reality. For the world of form and illusion, which the majority take to be the real world, is none other than the play of the spirit, or as the Hindus have called it, the dance of Shiva. He is enlightened who joins in this play knowing it as play, for man suffers only because he takes seriously what the gods made for fun. Thus, man only becomes man when he loses the god's sense of levity. For the gods, or Buddhas, or what you will, 
are simply our own innermost essence, and this could shatter the universe to nothingness in a moment if it willed. But it does not, and it keeps the worlds moving for the divine purpose of play, because like a musician, it is a creator and delights in the fashioning of a rhythm and a melody. To play with it is therefore not a duty but a joy, and he who does not see it as a joy can neither do it nor understand it. Wow. And the next chapter is Birds in the Sky, so I think we have to do that one here as well. We will absolutely have to do that one in here. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good chapter. I feel like it, in some ways, diverted from what a lot of the previous chapters have been, but it builds upon it. Because Absolutely. to be able to, a lot of it is about disassociating from the roles we play and, and all this stuff in the previous chapters, and this kind of takes it into the specific realm of taking oneself seriously, taking material things, the responsibilities, um, this kind of stuff, taking it too seriously. Absolutely. Um, and that's... That's something that that I've worked on for a long time mm -hmm. is not treating my everyday life as a religion and yep. making it so orthodox in a sense that it's it's routine in and out, but working on that inner self to know that whatever I am doing is done with the essence of God because that's what I am. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm making a mistake or I'm making a triumph, whether I'm excelling or you know falling down, whatever the case may be, that I'm exactly what where I am and what I am for a very exact reason, and it's done through the self enhancement, the the self realization of me, mm -hmm. you know, and, and getting in tune with that that inner piece of consciousness that is God knowing that that just exists within me so it's it can't be eliminated so no matter what i do exteriorly that's going to always be the constant so everything that i'm doing religiously and kind of making sure that i'm doing it in and out in and out in and out and perfectly right is usually because of a lack of understanding or a misunderstanding of something that's going on within myself where i feel like i have to do this to an exact point to achieve a specific result instead of just having the faith and understanding that it's going to happen the way it's going to happen no matter what i do mm -hmm. and even taking yourself me taking myself too seriously can be part of that process you know sure if you go, if you go through life doing you know wearing the stilts thinking you're above adversity all this stuff that he was talking about um and then you hit that inevitable adversity yeah that can be a humbling experience it can be a learning process if you allow it to be so absolutely and like I have the prime example of how I remove myself from myself and see that like where I'm at is with these creatures that I have around me at all times is I try to do something so exactly on point to get to train each and one of these parrots 
But the same mechanism doesn't work for each yeah. and every parrot. The different parrots. I have to rely on faith that what I'm instinctually doing through the communication through God to be able to communicate with this animal that doesn't speak my language, doesn't have hands, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't is you know completely foreign genetic, genetically foreign space. They're genetic. So they want to be free. They want to be flying. They want to be in the treetops. They want to be in a flock. So I've created a little flock here mm-hmm. to give them that sense, but they're all different birds. And, and keeping them happy and content to where we got this one, the newest one, just chatting away. Yep. And, and perfectly comfortable. She's only been here for 96 hours. And then this one is just up here preening herself and enjoying life. And she has free roam to go around because yeah. I trust her the most. Yeah. And then Isabella over there, the big green one, I usually have her out, but she's been a little shit lately and tearing boxes apart. Okay. And I live in a small space, so it gets really dirty really quick. Right. So when I have company over, I have to, I've learned that she has to be inside. Because otherwise, she's going to be nibbling on your toes. She's going to be mm-hmm. ripping stuff apart down here. She's going to be squawking. She's going to be like, she wants to be the center of attention. Yeah. And these are all, I have to go through trial and error and deal with adverse, anger-ridding things, but keep all of my emotions in control and understand that I have chosen to have these animals. Mm -hmm. I have chosen to place them in an environment that they are genetically not built for and create the best existence that I can for them. And that's me learning from them every single day, which then I'm able to transcribe into how I deal with people, how I deal with myself in new environments or uncomfortable environments. Like I often go back to what are my birds doing right now? Mm-hmm. How are they existing and how are they still healthy and living decades? Yeah. You know, 26, 37, 15 25 Mm -hmm. laura is 43 decades yeah that in harmony in an environment that they're not built for now i may not be built for the environment that i'm currently in but i know that i can survive and that's through the communication of god through these animals for Mm -hmm. me and that's just like a practical application of the lightness of touch yeah and so as we've been getting set up and started recording, I think they were a lot quieter before we started talking. talking. They want to be part wanna, of it. All right. There she was, wants to be part of this conversation. Yeah. And if she wasn't... And she is. If, she is. If, if she wasn't so aggressive, <laughs> she would be right here. Yeah. The other two, no. They've been with me longer. Mm-hmm. They know that I will talk directly to them. I've established a line of communication to when they know that I'm talking to them and about them or I need something from them. Her being so new, she's just like, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's and it sounds like she was neglected, right? So. Very neglected. This She came from a home where she was put outside during the day, whether it was wintertime or summertime, never changing her water, yeah, giving her real terrible food. Feeding her like table scraps and Damn. Walmart and nothing against the Walmart bird seed for for wild birds, but it's not for a parrot. Right. Yeah. You know, and do you have to be aware of these things? And it was just someone who didn't wasn't ready for the commitment of having a parrot. Yeah. 
you know, and I ensure that I give them the highest level of care imaginable. But I'm breaking 11 years that she was with this family that she had no connection to. And it's going to be a long, bloody road. Like, I'm going to get bit. I'm going to be going through it with her. We're going to argue. We're going to squawk at each other left and right. But at the end of it, She's in a protected environment. Yeah. She's going to be given the best thing that I could give her. And luckily, I've had parrots my whole life, so it's not anything that I'm not used to. Right. I don't, I'm not looking forward to getting bit. It's going to suck. I'm going to have more scars, you know, but it's, it's something I'm willing to do because it, birds have been something so prevalent and so eye-opening for me that... I take this challenge on with her as, as like a point of gratitude mm-hmm. that I get to give this beautiful creature a better life. Yeah. And there's this there's this urge that I witness inside of myself to try and control the situation, to try and, okay, how can we you know, remove these distractions or whatever, because this is a super serious podcast. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, it's not. No. The birds are welcome. Yeah. We laughed about the birds. It's totally... It's cool. Yeah, and in the beginning of this, you know, as you were reading, it's like, yeah, it's annoying. (laughs) It is definitely annoying when you're trying to do something and... Sinbad's outside squawking up a storm. Mm-hmm. But then I got to remember that he's outside. We're here and he wants to be with us. Mm-hmm. But he is not my bird. I take care of him, but he is not mine. So he yeah. does not have a space in my space. He has yeah. a space directly outside so he can interact and have this beautiful backyard to look out at and enjoy the day but he lives in the main house yeah and i have to establish that barrier trust me i would love to have him in here i would have this place lined out with birds if i could Mm -hmm. but that's just not realistic yeah and there he goes because he knows we're talking about him (laughs) so one of the notes i had when i read the chapter Mm -hmm. that's not it let's see I kind of had this experience a year and a half ago, something like that. Um, and I was taking myself, my life, these things way too seriously. Now, for some context, I was in between a sixth and a seventh step. Ah. And that's going to come in towards the end of the story with the resolution. Okay. Um, but I was in between a sixth and seventh step. I was listening to um, a lot of hip hop and a lot of specifically XXX Tentacion, which can be is a prime example of really serious, like negative coded lyrics and stuff. And um, I think I reached out to someone and. And they pointed out, I'm taking myself too seriously. And then I was like, okay, I hear you. And then next time I got in the car, that music came on. 
And I was like, oh, this is what I'm feeding myself. And so this is what I'm becoming, Mm -hmm. right? This super serious, right? And, And the reality is, is there are things in life that happen that are really serious, that are really scary, that are really painful, but I probably don't need to drown myself in that. And so I realized, okay, why don't I try and find something that is like the least taking itself seriously music. And for me at this point in time, it was Ween, if you're familiar with Ween. And my mood instantly changed. It was like, wow, Mm -hmm. it completely, it opened the entire world up to me again. And ever since then, I've really been mindful of what I'm feeding myself in that realm. Um, I'm a musician, and so I think I'm really... I'm really thoughtful about music. I'm really sensitive to music and the way that it impacts my mood. And I think lots of people are, but, and, um, and then to get to that seventh step and realize that, okay, I can relieve myself of this seriousness. Mm. Pray to God, help me not take myself so seriously. Help me not be so afraid, these sort of things. And that was really what I first thought about when I read this. And I was like, okay, I need to talk about that because yeah. that's like a prime Absolutely. example of what he's talking about, how I got through that process and resolved some of those things. It ties in with the name of the podcast. I was feeding myself. Um, it's really painful stuff. Yeah. And I was becoming that, this seriousness and... I've switched that around and I'm more mindful and I, you know, I still listen to that stuff, but it's not, I'm not drowning in it. Yeah. You're you're keeping yourself aware that that is somebody else's life and not to take on their Mm -hmm. life as your own. Yeah. And their emotion as your own. As, as I read this the very first time, which was a few years ago. Um, but then again, previously in the, in the week I was sick and uh, we, this is filmed a little bit after our normal film date because I've been ill. And then there was a D&D night, so we got pushed back a little bit. But as I was reading it, it brought to mind... I'm only going to talk about three, but there's five different bodies that create the human. There's the physical body, which is essentially a heap of food. This is built by food. It's built by nutrition. There's the mind body that's built by thoughts. It's just a heap of thoughts. It's all the things that influence us. Music, reading, talking to people, Mm -hmm. create different thoughts. And then the energetic body where we start to absorb and create an energetic body developed by heaps of energy that we take from Mm -hmm. people, animals, environments, places, places, things. You know, and then the two other are something that you don't experience in this realm, the conscious and then omnipresent. But those three bodies are something that is all taken to create this essence of a human and how we live our lives so influenced by what we read, listen to, who we talk to where we are Mm -hmm. and we start to develop this human that isn't 
oneself. I take your thoughts that you created in your thought body and make it my thought body. Because uh, I don't want to actually put in the work to have my own original thought. And this comes from being in, like, I really started to notice this being in meetings and identifying with somebody's story, but then all of a sudden that story became my story. I may have a similar experience, but that story is not my story. Mm-hmm. I can relate to it, but I was not there. And as a kid, I was so uncomfortable in my environment, at home, at school, in my neighborhood, that I would listen to people and adapt their lives to be my life. The lives that I wanted, I became. It had zero to do with me. I never lived any of those experiences. And then as I started to travel and experience more and more and more, I started to become more and more prevalent. When I would go to a new area, I was an entirely different person. I started to see the adaptation, the change, the chameleonness yeah. of my addiction, but being so comfortable in that. And it wasn't until recently, in like the last like probably two years, two, three years, whatever, I started to develop just being me, living my story, relating to other stories, but allowing their thoughts to remain within their thought body and my thoughts to remain in my thought body. I can, I can share this, but I don't have to adapt yours to fit in. Yeah. And I started to fit in. I felt like I was fitting in more when I finally just became myself. And it was a lot of hard work to break that habit, but going within and, you know, just acknowledging that and kind of going to like that sixth and seventh step, like that's where I really started to notice it. Mm-hmm. Like two and a half, three years ago, that's where I was in the steps. And that's where I started to notice like one of my de- one of my major defects was chameleonism. Being able to blend in in any environment, and I still can do it very easily. Right. A lot of time, I don't even notice it until after the fact. Mm. But it's because I have lived a lot of experiences. I've been in a lot of places where I can find that relation point. But that's not who I am. Yeah. Because who I was in those places wasn't me. You were everything around me. I was everything around me, but I wasn't me. I allowed my thought body to become the essence of everything instead of just my original thoughts. Because the thoughts that I was coming, I'm like, no, that's stupid. I'm going to be looked at like a fucking idiot if I say this. So I would say something that was equivalent to what was being said mm-hmm. just to fit in. Yeah. Now I don't fit in and I'm perfectly <laughs> okay with that. Yeah. But then I found the group of people in the environments that I do just fit in by being myself. Yeah. And feeling that actual comfortableness. Your special, unique individual contribution Correct. is appreciated. Not in... I've never allowed that to happen previously. Mm. It's hard. That's it's vulnerability. So hard. Yeah. It's so hard to be to know that no matter what's going to happen, I'm going to be okay with it. I'm just going to let it happen. I could be ostracized. I could be completely judged. And these are all my fears. These are the things that come forefront. But I do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's very uncomfortable. And sometimes I don't even notice a difference. But now I go around people that aren't my biggest fans. But I can still go around those people. I don't avoid them. Yeah. I don't avoid places anymore. And I used to. The second that I felt like, oh no, this is just going to cause a disturbance. It's going to cause me to be myself. 
I went the other direction. Now I don't do that. For the best, to for the most part. Of course, there's still times. I'm, yeah. I'm an ever-evolving being. Right, right. You know, but it's uh, it's an everyday practice to just being who I am mm -hmm. for the sake of wanting to be who I am. Yeah. Not for the sake of blending in or to seem like I'm more than I am or whatever the case may be, you know, and these were all things I wanted to be more intelligent. So I read a whole lot that I really didn't even want to fucking read. <laughs> I didn't care about what I was learning, but I just wanted to be able to talk about it. If so, it ever came up. Yeah. You know, my, know how many books I've read about things I want nothing to do with. Don't want to have up here that I have up here that I've never talked but, about. Yeah. Never came up. Never came up ever again. And the only reason I read it is because somebody mentioned it at an earlier point in time. And I was like, oh, fuck, I need to know this because I'm going to run into this person. Never saw that person again. Now I'm on a different fucking continent. <laughs> or I'm in a different state. Or that person's moved away. Or I just don't see that person anymore. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, in addiction, a lot of the people aren't even alive. Sure. It's like that faith of, you know, everything is right with me. Mm -hmm. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, right? And that, again, is all this stuff is like a practice. There's never a, you know, flip the switch moment, right? No. It's a daily, and that, what I just said, is like a, an affirmation that I tell myself most days. And it really soothes that sense of yeah. wrongness. It really soothes that sense of um, self-importance and, oh, I need to, this is a really serious thing, my life, and I need to strive for something beyond what it is that I have. Yeah. You know, from moment to moment. And there's that really pervading sense of anxiety that I get when I'm not telling myself that. Yeah. You know? And it's a lot easier to have this lightness of touch. Oh, yeah. Life's so much easier with yeah. the lightness of touch. Yeah. Because you know what? There are going to be birds that are squawking while you're recording a podcast. There are things that are going to, like, for the rest of time that are not in your control, that are not things that you want to be there, but mm -hmm. boom, there they are. And so to be able to step back and be like, okay, it's all good. Yeah. Everything, everything is okay. Absolutely. It's, everything is okay. We're exactly where we're supposed to be, doing mm -hmm. exactly what we're supposed to be doing because we followed the message from above mm -hmm. or below, wherever the fuck you think it comes from, <laughs> laterally whatever broadcasting to you directly from hell this is the <laughs> you are what you read podcast pretty much this, i wouldn't necessarily call this hell this is quite yeah quite heavenly for me yeah but it would be another person's hell for sure mm-hmm now the birds are all calm wrapping up and now they're chilling. Thanks, guys. But the cat's not happy outside. 
All right. Thanks, you guys. I want to pan you around to see the birds. Thanks for listening. Like, follow, and subscribe, you guys.